0: you are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. I had both the honor and privilege of starting this sermon series of Live Dangerously, and now I have the honor and the privilege of closing it out. And this morning, I... I'm excited. I'm excited to be in here with you this morning. I'm excited to share God's word and I'll just come I'll come right out and say this is about work. This is about doing good work. We're in this series and if you're listening via podcast, I want to say hi to you. Wish that you were here this morning, but glad that you're listening. We are in the final part of this Live Dangerously series and it's all about how bold faith takes risks in a play it safe world. And this morning's message title is entitled, Doing Good Work. Live dangerously, doing good work. And I'm going to put all the cards out there right away, actually. So I'm going to end with the very, I'm going to start with the very verse that we're going to end with. But if you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write this down. If you could write down this sermon, or this uh, reference, scripture reference, that would be great. It's Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. And this is really, I could read this, and then I could just get off the stage and head home. And if we could apply it to our lives, we would experience a new kind of living, a new kind of rejuvenation in our work. If we could just apply what it is that I'm about to read. Here it is. It's so encouraging. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. This is all about work this morning, and that's that's fitting. It's fitting because tomorrow's Labor Day, and we're focusing on work and the American workforce, and the question arises, what does God want from his followers as it pertains to the work that they do, whether that be in their homes or in their classrooms or in their nine-to-five? What is it that God wants from his followers. And what is it that we as people really want to experience in our work? What kind of contribution do we want to make and how can we really get there? Uh, About a year ago, a little over a year ago, I want to first give an example of of something that we should not do. Something that we should not do, which is a big no-no for me. I usually don't stay in the negative, but I came across an article in the Huffington Post about a year ago, a little over a year ago, and the headline is this. Man skipped work for six years, and no one noticed until he won an award. I- I'm going to read just a little, I'm going to read a little excerpt out of this. For six years, a building supervisor in Spain quietly collected a $41,500 salary from his local government without showing up for work. And he would have gotten away with it, too, if it wasn't for him getting an award for his 20 years of loyal service. Joaquin Garcia, he's been named, 69, was recently fined $30,000 for the extended paid vacation from a water treatment plant in Cadiz. The maximum penalty government officials could deliver, the BBC reported. According to Deputy Mayor... Jorge Blas, it wasn't until Garcia was due to be recognized for his hard work in 2010 that authorities realized his office was sitting vacant. Quote, I wondered whether he was still working there. Had he retired? Had he died? But the payroll showed he was still receiving a salary. Blas told Spanish newspaper El Mundo, according to the local. Quote, I called him up and asked him, what did you do yesterday? The month before, the month before that. He didn't know what to say said. Garcia's water company co-workers thought the plant was being overseen by local authorities because they hadn't seen Garcia in so long. Six years. When went six years without working. It's funny and we laugh and maybe even part of us are like kind of proud of him. Like, hey, you got away with it. Like he did it. Six years he collected a salary. That's not what God has in store for his followers and the kind of work that they do. And we laugh and we kind of joke because it's an extreme example of, I think, a really an everyday reality, which is we have this kind of a tug as workers to kind of cut corners or to get by or to let injustice kind of slide into our work and to let laziness creep in. In fact, I'm thankful for the leadership of this church. I'm thankful for leaders like David Kennard because he cares about our staff and he cares about growing us as a staff, as leaders. So we're reading a book together. If I was sitting where you're sitting and hearing that our, our leaders of our church care about our staff growing as, as a family in leadership, man, I'd be proud. I'm proud of David and I'm proud to serve underneath him. He's awesome. And he has us read this book called H3 Leadership by Brad Lomanick. And maybe you might want to read it too if you're a big reader. And right in the beginning chapters, he says this, and it speaks of this human kind of a condition that's similar to this man here, Joaquin Garcia, who skipped out work for six years. You don't have to lead for long before you will be tempted to make poor decisions, to cut corners, or to follow the money rather than the mission. Man, we get into these kinds of cycles where we coast by in our work and we're not working as hard as we ought to work, and it's frustrating And I think that no one in here who's working is really proud of that kind of tendency. And we all fall victim, or we all fall into the trap of laziness, or cutting corners, or injustice, or following the money, rather than working to this kind of excellence that God would require of us. You remember when we were kids? I mean, we were asked, what is it that you want to be when you grow up? No kid was saying, you know what, I really want to cheat on my taxes. I really want to do a change order and not uh, I want to I want to run that twice or no one's saying like oh I I, I kind of want to let discrimination run into my workplace and or oh I I, I want to skip work for six years and get paid for it no no, no. what we, what were we saying we were saying I want to be a police officer I want to be a vet I want to be an astronaut I want to inspire other people I want to help people I want to take care of people And we had these wild imaginations with our work and what kind of contribution we would make. And we run into this kind of discouragement as workers sometimes, don't we? Where it's like, man, I'm just not being fully utilized or where I am right now is frustrating. I don't feel like I'm making as big of an impact as I ought to make or can make. And we get frustrated. And when we're frustrated because maybe we have poor supervisors and then we start kind of sitting back in our work chairs, and we kind of fall into the same trap of this man who skipped work for six years. We're not working as hard as we ought to work, and we're like, man, what can I do? What can be done? What is it that God wants of me to rediscover that kind of childhood passion that I had, where I could be fully satisfied in my work That I can show up on my work, whether that be with my kids or in my classroom or in my nine to five. How can I get to this place where I show up and I realize that what I'm doing is important? That what I'm doing is meaningful? That what I'm doing is playing a, a part in a bigger picture of what God has for me? How do we get to that kind of a place? Why should we get to that kind of a place? That's the kind of Questions that we're going to answer this morning. In fact, I was riding with Lauren, my wife, just last night in the car. We were heading home from my in law's house, have a cool time together. And she was like, So, how are you feeling about the message tomorrow? I said, You know what? Like, I'm feeling good because this word keeps coming into my mind. Like, the win for this morning is I want the church to be inspired, I want the church to leave. The sanctuary on that Sunday morning, this morning, inspired by the word of God. Because I know it gets difficult. And I know it gets frustrating. And I know that these problems kind of outside of us fall on us and it affects our work. How can I work to my full potential when I have this kind of a supervisor? Or these kinds of coworkers? You don't know the kind of toxicity in my environment. I know that it gets difficult. But even in spite of those things, we can still live and work meaningful kinds of jobs. And the word of God is going to speak to it this morning. And the word of God wants to encourage us this morning. And the word of God wants to inspire us this morning. So let's leave this place inspired, okay? Let's start with God. Let's start with God and who God is. In the beginning, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, this is the very first book of the the Bible, very first verse of the Bible. So usually people know this one because when we all decided, hey, we're going to get into this Bible reading thing, we open up to the very first page and we always read that first verse, of course, and then maybe it it dwindles out maybe after like two weeks or so. But we always know Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, everything that we see around us, God created it. And it's amazing. It's miraculous. The processes, the systems, the creativity, the magnificence. A great example, I go to the Grand Canyon for the first time. My breath is just taken away at just the beauty and the splendor of it. God, he created and he did it in an amazing way. Organized, creative, masterful. And in that very first chapter of Genesis... The Bible says multiple times, seven to be exact, that what he created was good. God created and he worked and he did good work. And in fact, the final, the seventh mention of the words good than what he created, it was all very good. God, he values good work. That's just the kind of God that God is. God he, he is a hard worker, He is a good worker, and the work that He produces is so, very good. God actually cares what we do in our work, in the quality of our work. Why? Because the quality of work that God produces is very what? Good. He's a good God who creates good things and works to good ends. That's the kind of God that He is. He values good work. And what is it that He desires of His people? Genesis 1, 27 through 28 says this. So God created mankind in his own image. This God who creates really good things, very good things, who values good work. This God, the one who fashioned the bumblebee. I always bring up the bumblebee. I love the bumblebee. Why? Because the wingspan to body ratio, it just doesn't work and yet they still fly. amazing. I'll probably have some sort of biology teacher come up to me afterwards and say, Actually, what happens is, let me have my moment. I look at the irises rise in the spring and I'm reminded of the magnificence of God and His creative work, His good work. It's that God who made us in His image. In the image of God, He created them, male and female, He created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Subdue it. What does that mean? Does that mean subdue? We need to take it under, we need to just grab this world and just wring it dry of all of its worth and just kind of put up the factories that are destroying everything. No, the word subdue means literally to unfold the potential. That God has created us in his image to do the kind of work that unfolds latent potential in the world. I think of God when I think of this verse and when he says for his people who are made in his image to do good work, to subdue the earth. And I think of the iPhone, you know, being created. This is a trite example, but, you know, Steve Jobs, you know, the whole deal of like the iPhone I, I see this as a thing that could have a lot of harm and, and problems, this kind of a smartphone technology, but I also could see it as doing really great things and serving a lot of good ends. And I see God kind of, whether this is true or not, this is the, as my dad likes to say, the Evans unauthorized kind of speaking Bible version of, of God. I, I, I picture him and looking at people as they created the iPhone and say, y- you found it. You, you, oh, you discovered that? You, that was latent potential within the earth of this kind of technology in the microchip. And I see God just saying, oh, you found that. Like he knew that it was there. And he's like, you did it. You unearthed that. You uncovered that. You unfolded that from the potential. That's what God has created his people to do. I believe that God wants us to be the kind of people who are innovative, that God wants us in our works to, to be moving things along forward and to new levels of excellence. Why? It's because God created people to do good work. God's a, a God who values good work and his creative activity displays his ability to do good work and to be a hard worker and a good worker and God has created us in his image to follow suit that we would come along and that we would unearth the potential of this world and that we would be on the frontiers of creativity and good work. Maybe around us all we see is injustice in our workplaces. That's not what God has designed for his followers. What God has designed from his followers is for them to do good work. That was the original plan in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 1, and we read of Genesis 1 and 2 of this grand plan of of people and God living in harmony and in relationship, that people were working according to how they are to work. But then this problem kind of comes into play, and it's the same problem that we see here with this man who skipped work for six years. Somewhere something went wrong. (laughs) No, no, don't you know, sir? You're doing the complete opposite of what it is God has created you to do. The high calling, the esteem, the privilege, the honor of of subduing the earth, of unfolding his potential, of joining God in his kind of creative, good working activity. Why is it that we have to read leadership books that remind us that there is this tendency for people to make poor decisions, to cut corners, or to follow the money rather than the mission, which is to do good work? It's because sin had entered the world. In Genesis chapter 3, everything kind of went awry. where people, instead of stepping up to the calling in which they had received of obeying God, they instead kind of went their own way. And we, we go our own way. And it drove a wedge between mankind and his creator. And it affected his work. It affected his ability to do good work. Why? Because only God is good. It's one of the main claims of the Bible. Only goodness flows from that and who who is truly good. He is good. God is good. And he values good work and he does good work and he created his people to do good work. But if they're separated from him, then they cannot do and we cannot do good work. And it's frustrating. Why? Because we were created to do good work. We were created to step in line with our creator who does good work. And then sin entered the world, and now we have this problem, this sin condition, this infection, where instead of doing the good work and to be fully realized in our potential and to be fully excellent in our workplace, instead we kind of work hard to do good work only to be frustrated that something is missing in our lives. That the impact that we're making, it seems, even though we're receiving the promotions, even though we're receiving the paycheck, there's something that's missing. And maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus, and you're here this morning because a friend invited you, and you're like, yes, that's what I'm experiencing. I get little glimmers of, of good feeling when I get a promotion, but in the long haul, I am very unsettled in my work, very critical in my work. I don't understand it. I don't know why. If I start thinking about it, I add all of these reasons to it, but it's just, the problem is sin. The problem is we as people, we have this sin condition, and this problem that separates us from God. And it's a massive problem. Why? Because God has called us to a much higher standard of living in our work. God has called us to high and grand things and he has set high and grand and mighty examples for us. Like the ants. The ants. Yeah. That's real. That's true. Proverbs (laughs) 6, 6 through 8. I love this. I love the scriptures. I love God. This is weird. Oh, that's intense. and so intense. You have this creator God who he himself, he values good work because he's a good worker and he's created mankind in his image to do good work. But man can, mankind cannot do good work because of the sin problem. Yet there's this example that we need to follow of what? The ants. The ants? What is, what is that? What's the ants? Okay, this is Proverbs 6, chapter, chapter 6, 6 through 8. This is what the Bible says of the ants in the example we're to follow. This isn't a gimmick. This is true. This is scripture. The Proverbs written by supernaturally the wisest man who ever lived, Solomon. This is good. Go to the ant. Consider the ant. Look at the ant. Look at the example of the ant. You gotta be like the ant. You're frustrated in your work. You got to look at the ant. The ants, they get it. Yeah, the ants. The ants go marching one but the ants. Go to the ants, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. You have to admit, this is weird. This is bizarre. He's talking about ants. I wouldn't say that ants are maybe the most magnificent creatures in all of creation, you know? We could have thought of maybe the lions. Hey, consider the lions, Look at them stalking their prey in the same way you should look at your financial responsibilities. You should look at that that mechanics garage and that car that you need to fix and you need to pounce on that like a lion, like a lion attacks a gazelle. And you need to you need to get it, work hard and take it out like the lion. No, no. God talks about the ants. And the ants, I love this about ants. If you, if you ponder this for a little bit, I'm not trying to be weird. This is just amazing. The ants, you can look at them all day. And what do they do? They're always following their line. They're grabbing their food, wherever it may be. And they're following their line back to the colony. And they're giving up their food. And they go into it again. They're working hard. And you might say, oh, that's meaningless. That's, what's the, how am I supposed to aspire to be this? Here's the thing about ants. I love this. They do what they were created to do. They live according to the way they were designed to live. They go and they get their food and they work hard. They get there. Even if things fall in their path or get in their way, they get around it and create a new line and they still get the job done. And they do it with excellence. It may not seem grand, it may not seem majestic, it may not seem amazing, but that's their work. And they live according to the way they were designed to live. And they're doing the right work, they're going after food. It's not like we're seeing a bunch of ants who are rebelling and they're going to the seashore and they're grabbing a grain of salt, and, or sand, excuse me, and taking it back to their colony. They're doing not only hard work, they're not only living according to the way that they were designed to live, but they're doing the right work. They're not wasting their time doing work that they ought not to do. That falls outside of how they were designed to live. They were doing exactly what they were supposed to be doing, and are doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing, in the fashion that they're supposed to be doing it. And similarly, similarly, we have to live according to the same ways. We need to do good work. God, he he sees us in He says, you need to look at the ants, look at them. They may not be majestic, they may not be huge, they may not be big in the world's eyes, but look at, they're living just like I've designed them to live. And he's saying, you, I have designed you to live an excellent kind of life where you are working hard in line and in step in the image of God, like God, I have created you to live, to do good work, to be a beacon of light to those around you. You need to do good work. I also find this kind of side, side bit of encouragement here. Maybe you feel like the ant. Maybe you feel like in the wor- world's eyes that your job or your profession may not be the most glamorous or it may not by the world's standards look like the lion, but guess what? God still wants to use you as the example like he used the ant as the example. You can still serve as a great example of good work and excellence in God's eyes even if you are an ant in the world's eyes. That's encouraging this morning. He'll use you as an example to the authority. He'll use you as an example to the lion if you live in step with God and what he has planned for your life. But if we follow the trajectory of the scripture here, then really we are in a massive problem because we have this God who values good work. And in fact, we were created in his image to do good work except We cannot do good work on our own because of this problem of sin. And yet God calls us to look at the ant and says, you need to do good work. God does good work. You were designed to do good work, but you can't do it, but you need to. So what are we to do? What am I to do? No one kind of sits in their workplace and says, man, this is really what I was hoping for. My deepest dream is to, skirt by and work and believe the lies of my employees that say, I'm not good at what I do, but I can't make an impact here. And maybe that external kind of calling on your life or spoken word over your life has reached the internal levels of your heart, and now you're starting to wonder, am I even capable of doing this kind of good work that God has called me to do? This majestic God who created the earth. How am I supposed to join him in his creative activity? I don't believe it within my own heart that I can do it. It's a nice thought. I don't think it's possible. What am I to do? Jesus. What are you to do? You are to cling on to the name of Jesus. You are to look to Jesus. Why? Why should I look to Jesus? Why should we look to Jesus? John 4.34 says this. My food, says Jesus. My food, the very thing that I live for, the thing that gives me life, the thing that sustains me, the thing that keeps me moving forward, the thing that inspires me and keeps me going, my food, the thing that I need to survive, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Wow. What's God's work? It's to... Get people who are broken back to him in healthy relationship. To restore the connection between a broken humanity and an all-good God. To open up the lid of potential again on a person's life that they might be able to be in their workplace wherever it would be. And do the same kind of good work that God has done at the beginning of time. That images of God and people would be restored that they can no matter what they do go into work and know that they are participating in something bigger than themselves that they are participating in the very good work of God. That's what Jesus came to do and he did it so effectively. He's the best worker. He's a great worker. He does good work. He did such good work that he came from heaven to earth for you and for me and he died the death that we were to die because of sin. But Death couldn't hold him down, and he rose from the grave so that when we put our faith and we put our trust in Jesus, then we can be reconnected to him and be reconnected to the kind of potential that brings about good work. Through Jesus, good work can be done. Good work can be done through Jesus. On a practical level, what does that even mean? It seems so theoretical, like if I just put my trust in Jesus? Like, what does that mean? Literally, if I just close my eyes and say, Jesus, I believe what you said uh, in your word that you did this great work for me. And so I put my faith and trust in you. Amen. So now you show up and work on a Monday morning or this week, Tuesday morning. Hopefully, hopefully you guys have Labor Day off. I know some of you are working from home. You show up to work and now it's a new kind of reality. Like now it's everything changes. Here's what a faith in Jesus does. It changes our motivation. And this is huge. This is actually the secret sauce. In fact, the Bible speaks of the simplicity of the cross and the gospel. And it says, in a world, it really doesn't make a ton of sense because it's it's the world's wisdom versus God's wisdom. The motivation makes all the difference. Am I doing my work out of my own motivation for me? Because if that's the case, then we're going to find ourselves in these places like this Memories, like, you know what I need to do? I need to figure out how to do the least amount of work and to make the most amount of money. Who cares what people around me think? I'm in it for me. Let's do this. God kind of flips the script. We put our faith in Jesus, and now instead of working for ourselves, we work for God. And it doesn't matter what we're doing. We are bringing glory to God in our work. We are bringing honor and esteem to the name of God in the work that we do. And we are to serve as examples in the world around us. We are to be beacons of light. We are to be salt in a world where there's moral corruption in the midst of our workplaces. God has called us to that kind of a work. And it doesn't matter what the others say about us. No, 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 I'm working to the glory of God. He has placed this kind of esteem on my work, whatever it is that I do. It can only be done through a personal relationship with Jesus. In fact, Colossians 3.23 says this. It's how we started it and how it's, this is how we're ending it this morning. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. I don't know if you see the amount of encouragement in this verse. Whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Within that verse is a statement that says, in whatever you do, work as if you're working for God, which means that whatever you are doing, you can work to the glory of God. God, the creator of the universe. So when you believe these lies on the end of a Friday, Or on a Monday when you have that song popping into your head, everybody's working for the weekend. You know that dumb song? That's a sad kind of existence. And you've believed a lie that I believe the enemy has placed in your head, which is your work is insignificant. Because in the world's eyes, it may be insignificant. Insignificant. We could start naming off cliche kind of jobs that maybe the world would see as insignificant. It doesn't even matter. If you believe a narrative and a cultural narrative that what you're doing, I don't care what you're doing, is insignificant, here's a scripture that says, no, 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 you are working your job to the glory of God. You are to be a beacon of light in your work. There is nothing that is insignificant in the eyes of God in what you are doing. Whether you're providing a service to someone Or you are on the frontiers of the creative arts industry. I believe that you do not get off the hook as a Christian with this verse. I believe, this is a big statement, that Christians ought to be the best employees. I believe that Christians ought to be the most creative of artists. I believe that Christians ought to be bringing the greatest amounts of excellence in every sphere and sector of work. That quality should be at the top of our minds. Excellence should be at the top of our minds. Uprightness should be at the top of our minds. Justice should be at the top of our minds. Why? Because we're not working for human masters. I'm not even working for myself. I'm working to the glory of God. And it doesn't matter who steps on me. It doesn't matter how many people try to see my destruction. I am working to the glory of God. So be encouraged, church. You are created to do great and good work. And that's God's design for your life. You can bring glory to God in whatever you do. I want to invite the worship team to come up this morning. This is a simple message. But it's a message I believe we need to hear. And I believe someone needed to be inspired and needs to be inspired this morning because I believe there are people here who maybe believe that what you're doing is insignificant maybe you lost a little bit of fire in the job that maybe you were even praying for and that you have received do you see your job as an opportunity to bring glory to god that's what god wants of his followers they were created to do good work and to serve as examples to those around them and it's all made possible This rich kind of working life is made possible through a personal relationship with Jesus. And I'm so thankful we're gonna be taking communion this morning to remember what it is Jesus has done. We ought to give him all the praise and all the glory because he made the way back for us to do good work. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Jesus, we thank you that you created the way that we can do good work again. We recognize that you are God who does good work and who values good work and you've created us in your image to do good work. We also recognize sin has messed us up and we need to do good work. God, I pray that you would encourage us, that you would fill us with your spirit, that we would have the power to execute the kind of excellence you have called us to put forth in our work. Encourage those who need encouragement this morning. Remind us of the high calling of what it means to be made in the image of God that we might be the best workers, all to the glory of your name. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.